0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford. And today is a little bit different. You might remember uh, the one solo episode I did way back last November. Uh, But today I am bringing you another solo episode, this time to talk a little bit about the ins and outs of starting a small business. Uh, So some of you may know that recently I Announced the launch of Strong Girl Publishing, which is my small publishing company devoted to creating content that is for young girls to get them excited about sport. And all of the content is going to be written by young women athletes. Uh, so I'm very excited. At, you know, I've written the Shred Girl series in the past. I have two more fictional books, one for middle grade and one for young adult, that are going to be coming out in the fall. And I have two authors signed. Uh, one of whom already has a planner out with us, and one of whom has her first book of poetry coming out in the fall. So, really, really excited about everything that's coming. Uh, with the publishing company. And because this has been my life pretty much since January, I thought it would be fun to just very quickly pop on here and really talk about what I've learned as I've gotten the company up and running and launched. And we are, you know, finally just moving forward. Uh, So here we go. All right. So part one for me, Uh, Even if you're not looking for investors, even if you're not going to have to go to the bank for a startup loan, uh, even if none of those things are true, I think it's still a really good idea to start with a business plan and or pitch deck. So actually what I did was more of a pitch deck presentation type thing, only because with what I was doing with Strong Girl Publishing, I really wanted to be able to put together more of a presentation because I wanted to kind of see the visual representation of what I was trying to do. So it was almost an exercise in how I wanted the brand to look, in addition to really digging into sort of the nuances of how the business itself was going to work. And I actually kind of put myself in a position where I was pitching it, uh, only in that I was showing sort of some of my mentor-type people through the presentation, walking them through, talking about it, and having that pitch deck really helped me sort of hone in on exactly what I was trying to do. So I think it was really, really helpful to have that. Uh, You can also just grab business plan templates pretty much anywhere on the internet. But I really liked using Canva to create a presentation slash business proposal. And they even have free templates that are more of the business proposal templates. Okay, the next thing to think about, and you can think about this as you're making this presentation or pitch deck or business plan, whatever you want to call it, is to think about what is your unique spin on this business. So notice I'm not saying, has anyone done this before? Because I think if you look closely enough, you're probably going to find that pretty much everything in the universe has been done before. Uh, You know, no one is really reinventing the wheel at this point, but you can still figure out a unique spin on it, right? Like if you think about a yoga studio, for example, what is your unique spin For that yoga studio that's going to separate it from the other five yoga studios in your town. You know, is it that you are doing yoga for endurance sports or is it that, you know, you're doing yoga and you have really great stuff for adaptive athletes. So really think about what your talent or your specific unique detail that you're bringing to this is. Uh, For me, my unique spin is simply that I'm a writer who already has a series behind me that's designed for middle grade girls, the Shred Girls series. So for me, starting this company, it just makes sense. It's sort of the obvious next step. And I was already sort of in contact with some young women who wanted to write books and kind of, you know, were struggling with how to do that while still having their athletic careers. And they didn't really know how to deal with self-publishing, but they, you know, also, you know, just aren't at a point where traditional publishing is available for them. So this is sort of a great sort of middle ground that I can create for them. So, you know, for me, that's my unique thing is... I'm already an author, I'm already in the endurance sport world, and I already have access to a lot of these young women. Uh, That's not to say that this is all rainbow sunshine and super easy. Uh, Honestly, it's still quite a bit of work as far as the author uh, acquisition type stuff goes. But I definitely have a leg up from someone who's, you know, never written a book before. I've written nine Uh, you know, or a leg up on someone who's never dealt with self-publishing or traditional publishing. I've had books published through some of the biggest publishers in the world and very tiny publishers and I've self-published. So I've sort of been through all of those things. I've, you know, I know the drill. So my unique thing is really that, you know, I've been there, done that. And also I bring to a publishing content, company, a lot of content that's already, you know, in it by me. I'm not coming from zero and needing to kind of bring a lot of books into the mix. Um, And I've already launched books. So I know to do that to some extent. Okay. So your unique spin. Next thing that I, you know, have been thinking a lot about is when I got started, I, you know, I love a big idea. Everybody loves a big, shiny idea, right? Or the big, scary goal, Uh, whatever it is. We really love it. And I think I equate this, and I hate to do uh, business to sport comparisons because I get very annoyed when I hear other podcasters comparing stuff to running a marathon. It's always just a little bit wrong if you're someone who runs marathons, if you know what I mean. But I think in this case, I can argue it's actually an accurate one. Uh, So when I decided a couple of years ago that I wanted to run a hundred miler, instead of just being like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. I can picture myself crossing the finish line. It's going to feel awesome. I did actually sit down and wrote a list of the least sexy parts about a hundred miler specifically, you know, what the training was going to look like to get up to that hundred miler, all of the stuff that was going to happen, whether or not the race was going well, uh, there's still, just a lot of stuff that is going to fall apart during a hundred miles when you've never done a hundred miles before. You know, your body is just not going to be psyched. You are going to have blisters on blisters on blisters. You are not going to be able to walk for (laughs) a couple of days after. You are going to be exhausted. Your stomach is going to give out at some point. Uh, You know, and that's not even talking about the training. The volume you need to do is so much. Uh, You know, the amount of stuff you're going to have to give up while you're doing that volume is so much. Uh, So I do think, Hannah, making this list of the least sexy parts of what it is that you're planning Is a great exercise in reminding you that this is real life not just a highlight reel uh you know you see on instagram that someone else opened a yoga studio or finished that hundred miler or wrote that book but what you're not seeing is the hours and hours and hours of boring stuff that went into that so i do think it is really just worth thinking through what are the least sexy parts what's the invoicing situation going to look and feel like and as long as you're okay with that then by all means, full steam ahead, but always worth just thinking through what's not going to be fun about this and am I okay with it? Similarly, what's your worst case scenario? Now, if you're kind of a doomsayer or a doom scroller or what you just tend towards the pessimistic side, I probably don't need to tell you this. I probably need to tell you my next thought. But if you are someone who is pretty glass half full, who gets very excited about ideas, who definitely uh, leaps before looking, uh, which I put myself in that this camp, even though, you know, if you see me on the internet, you know I wear a lot of black. But actually, I'm sort of a little on the Pollyanna-ish side when it comes to being a bit of an optimist. So I do, for myself, have to think through what is my worst case scenario and am I okay with that? Uh, you know, for me with Strong Girl Publishing, my worst case scenario was I get to help a couple girls at least, at minimum help a couple girls put books out into the world that they can go forward and say are from a publisher. I get to put out the Shred Girl series, keep the Shred Girl series alive. I get to put out my other two books. Uh, you know, I get to hopefully help a few more girls get excited about sport. I get to connect with a lot more people, a lot more girls in sport organizations more deeply. Uh, you know, hopefully, I'll get to donate some money from profits to them because we are planning on donating five percent of our net profits to different girls and sport organizations. But you know, I think worst case, I've made a lot of connections. I've hopefully done some good for girls and young women in sport, uh, and you know, for me, that's that's a great worst case. So I'm not really upset if I've, you know, maybe lost a couple thousand dollars in the process, but I've done all of that. No problem. Uh, but you know, for someone with more of like a, you know, yoga studio type situation, uh, there could be a big dollar figure that you stand to lose. And I think it's worth thinking through, you know, if I have to close in six months because of X, Y, Z, am I okay with that? Is that going to be okay? And if not, then you do need to think about, okay, how can I scale this back to something where I am okay with the worst case scenario? Is it renting space from someone in their studio? Or, you know, is it finding a place that has more of a month to month lease than versus signing like an annual commitment? I don't know what your situation is, um, but just thinking about like, okay, how can I make sure that the worst case is something that I'm willing to deal with? Now, for the naysayers or doom scrollers or whatever we want to call them, the more pessimistic types, I think it's also worth thinking through, what is your best case scenario and how freaking awesome would that be? So I know we don't want to pre-celebrate too much because we haven't gotten this thing off the ground. We're still in the planning phase, but I do think it's worth thinking, what is the best case? Because I think a lot of the time we get the idea and we sort of have a vague vision of it, but we're not totally thinking about what the best, best case scenario is. and. I'll be totally transparent. This is one that I actually kind of came to a little late, like almost after I launched, I started thinking about, oh my gosh, what if this really takes off and this actually is my full-time job? Am I okay with, you know, giving up some of my freelancing stuff or, you know, taking a step back from some of the other projects I'm on? Uh, Or, you know, the even like the scarier thing, if this does go really well, Holy crap! I'm going to have to hire real like employees. Uh, you know, if it goes really well, I'll have to hire a CEO and a CFO and have, you know, I'll have this whole business and hire editors and actually be paying people, you know, full time wages to do this work. Uh, for someone like me who is okay with the idea of being a leader in certain situations, but is maybe not super super keen on doing it as a full time job, uh, this is a little terrifying but it's actually a pretty sweet best case scenario. And, you know, it is, (laughs) this is going to sound odd. It's one that I'm willing to deal with. So it's very much, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Uh, And I think I'm growing slowly into the employer role as I'll get into in a little bit. But uh, I do think it's worth thinking, what is your best case scenario? Because a lot of the time we get really stuck on sort of like one month from now or like what our launch is going to look like. And we sort of forget to think about what is this going to look like if it actually goes really well. Uh, and you know, you can go as big as you want. I might start competing with you know a Scholastic or a Penguin Random House or any of those big boys. I sincerely doubt it, but hey, you never know. Uh, but you know, what is your best case? Okay, here's the deal. You want to take control of your health, of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results? No, absolutely not. Inside Tracker is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your inside tracker panel, you actually just add the mobile blood draw option and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month. And honestly it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life. So convenient. And then the turnaround on the results is so quick. And instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as a go-getter. So definitely, definitely check them out. Save time in your day. Add time to your life with Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw. And if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty, you get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20% off today. Okay, next thing sounds really silly, but make sure that this business idea of yours is something that you want to talk about and tell people about. Sounds weird, but I've had ideas in the past where I was personally really excited about them. I mean, I've even written drafts of books that I haven't published yet, maybe never, because I really liked the idea. I had fun writing them, but when it came time to, you know, when someone's like, oh, what have you been doing? Or what are you writing? I don't necessarily wanna talk about them. They're just like a little weird or a little just like not my normal vibe. I don't know. There's just something about them that makes me not really wanna have like a full public conversation about them. And I think that's at least a yellow flag. Uh, I mean, some businesses can kind of exist without you telling everyone and their mother what you're doing, but a lot of businesses like this one really do require you to be perfectly willing to tell everyone what you're doing. And I think there's, you know, of course, there's going to be some people you don't necessarily feel super stoked to tell because they are sort of those like Debbie Downer types in your life. And you're not like you just aren't excited about telling them because you don't really want to be, you know, hearing about all of the things that could possibly go wrong. And that's a totally different case. I'm talking about you're at a cocktail party and someone says, oh, what have you been up to lately? And you don't really want to tell them about it. If that's the case, kind of a red flag. Okay. in terms of conversations that we also want to have, we do want to, if we are, you know, if we have a partner, we want to talk to them about it. Business partner, life partner, whatever. Uh, You do want to tell the person in your life, anyone who's sharing a bank account with you or anyone whose finances are tied to yours uh, or anyone whose time is tied to yours. You know, this is parents of kids. This is people who co-own a pet, uh, literally anything like that. Uh, I think it's really important to talk to your partner about what it is that you want to do and really lay out parameters. I think this is a great time for you to set a limit for both time and money that you're going to spend on this project. Uh, This is where having that business plan, that proposal is very helpful because you can actually show them your pitch deck and really make the case for why this is a really good business. Uh, But I think having that, you know, I'm going to spend up to $10,000 in the next six months to see if this is up and running and we can reassess at that point. I think it's always good to have sort of that reassessment versus like a yes or no, black and white, we shut it down or we keep going if. Uh, But I do think having that, like you're gonna spend this much time, this much money, and then by this date, we're gonna talk about it and see where we're at and what the next step should be. Otherwise, I think... It's very easy for you to get sucked in and spend all of your time or, you know, all of your money on this. And, you know, you kind of end up with a partner who maybe feels like, you know, they weren't really aware of what you were doing. And I definitely, uh, definitely this this is one of my fatal flaws, I'm going to say, is that I'm so used to being just very independent. And thankfully, my partner, Peter. Uh, My co-host at my other podcast, The Consummate Athlete, is a wonderful human and pretty much understands that I am a very, uh, I'm doing this and this is what's happening kind of person. Uh, And he, he tolerates it. But I definitely am very careful to just keep him aware of what's going on and just make sure that if there are any major spends or major shifts in how much time I have for everything else, or you know, I'm going to spend less time working on these freelance projects, or you know, we're going to have a little less money coming in, or we're going to have a little less time to go on a vacation, or something like that, that has to be discussed. Uh, you know, for us to be totally transparent, we actually had a pretty big sticking point uh, when I first kind of started this when we were talking about our schedule for the summer and we were talking about potential, you know, through hike dates and like, could we go for five days and do this loop or do this? And I was sort of saying, I was a little worried because I was going to be trying to, you know, get ready for a book launch at that point. And, you know, Peter saying this is really important to, to him that we get to do this. And honestly, it's important to me too. And I kind of had to think about like, okay, am I willing to kind of, you know, shift the launch stuff or just make sure that it's all taken care of before we go and yes, I am, but I was glad that we had that conversation and I sort of knew what really mattered to him, what you know, what was going to be important for him and it's not about the money, it is about the time together and like being able to be offline for a few days. And if I couldn't do that with this business, then that was going to be cause for reevaluation and figuring out if this is something realistic in our lives because we value that ability to be offline so much even if it's only for a couple of days at a time. And yes, I am thinking, well, you know, there is some cell service in this park, so I'm not going to be completely off, uh, but I can definitely manage to be offline for maybe four days of the entire year. I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. And on that note, knowing what you're willing to give up or do, uh, you know, if you do work a nine to five and you're training for say, you know, a half Ironman, uh, where where is the time for this side project or new business going to come? Are you going to scale back to part-time? Are you going to shift to maybe a sprint triathlon so your training can get cut a little bit? Uh, you know, Are you going to get up a little earlier or go to bed a little later? Uh, what can you actually make the space for? How much time is this going to take? I think so often we and I'm super, super, super guilty of this. Just keep adding stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff to our to-do lists. Never really like backing up and looking and saying like, oh, right, none of this can get done. Like This is not going to all get done in a day. Just because I put it on the list doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be doable. So I do think it's so, so important to just really be honest with yourself about what space you do have and If you are an athlete or if you are a human who likes being healthy, uh, you know, you can go some chunks of time on like light sleep. You cannot go on no sleep. You cannot go on, you know, four hours of sleep over and over again. I am not someone who will ever suggest just get up a little earlier unless we're going to bed a little earlier. Uh, the only time getting up earlier works is if you can turn off Netflix an hour earlier and get that extra hour of sleep in the evening rather than in the morning. Uh, so you're giving up watching the shows with your kids or husband or partner or dachshund or whatever. Uh If that's okay, then by all means, but just be really cautious of anything that's going to take you away from living like a healthy lifestyle. Just think about what it is that you actually can give up. That's going to still allow you to be healthy and fulfilled, especially athletically, because we are, you know, talking, you know, here on the business of fitness, we all care about this stuff. Okay. Boring stuff. Figure out the legal and financial stuff that you do need in place to a certain extent. Um, I think you could get really bogged down in the weeds in the research of a lot of these things and a lot of the stuff you know you've heard on this show time and time again, you figure out as you go. If you are waiting to have the perfect plan and everything in place, you are never going to launch. You are never going to get that first product made. You are never going to get that first that website up. Uh, so I do think it is worth uh, you know being moderate about this. But it is very helpful to just have some of the legal, financial, et cetera, stuff in place. This can look like, uh, remembering our episode with Jamie of contracts market. So having, you know, the appropriate, um, contract stuff in place on your website. So the terms of service, uh, your e-commerce terms and conditions, those are the kind of things that are really important to have in place, uh, depending on where you are in Canada, uh, Canada or the US, there are different kinds of business types or business numbers you need to register. Often, very, very inexpensive, very, very easy, much better to have this done and in place before you're doing a ton of financial stuff, especially, uh, and will help you with kind of any of the financial stuff, like opening a bank account uh, or anything like that. Uh, Also, as far as the business, this is like one of those funny things that, again, I'm learning as I go, the name. So... At a glance, I was originally going to call Strong Girl Publishing Strong Girl Press. I thought it was like a fun play on the overhead press, the bench press, whatever. Uh, And I thought press was just kind of more open-ended. However, uh, at a glance, I Googled it. You know, I got the domain. I got the Instagram. Like, no one was using it. However, when I did more of a deep dive into, like, actual, like, you know, um, business names, the name Strong Girl Press was actually... Uh, out there already. It was, you know, this little tiny thing in Arizona and no one has ever used it, but someone owns it. They don't own the domain. They haven't touched it. They haven't done anything about it, but they own it. So being in Canada, I could have stuck with the name and just made that work and just hoped, A, they would never notice or never actually start using it. Or B, if they did, I'd still actually be legally okay because different countries. However, Did not want to deal with that. Did not want to have any confusion if they did start publishing books. So shifted to Strong Girl Publishing. Not mad about it. Very glad that I did that before I had done any major stuff. Although I had bought the domain Strong Girl Press. All I did was just set up a forward for that eventually. But that's fine. Um, I'm just super, super glad that I took the time to really do a deep Google dive uh, before I started doing any of the really fancy stuff. Uh, and then also it's worth checking on free entrepreneur resources in your area, uh, here in Collingwood, Ontario, we actually do have a fantastic free resource where they have tons of online like tutoring and consultations. Uh, I talked to a business expert and we just kind of went through my, I basically pitched him my pitch deck uh, and talked through all of the the ins and outs and things I should be thinking about as I was getting started. He answered a couple of my questions as far as more of the businessy things go. Do I need, you know, sole proprietorship versus corporation and taxes and yada, yada. Uh, and didn't cost me a cent. And a lot of places have these. Even if you just take your local library or local community college, a lot of the time, there'll be one-off lectures or experts that will be in where you can ask questions. So, Always a really good idea just to see what's available for free, especially uh, before, if you're like me, you immediately start hearing this and you're like, okay, Google MBA programs online. And now I'm down the rabbit hole of now I'm taking courses instead of actually launching the business. No, we don't want to do that. We want to figure out uh, you know, who we can talk to in real life uh, you know, that's actually going to be able to talk about my specific questions without me going down a rabbit hole of learning stuff when I should be shipping stuff. Uh, also, good idea to kind of assemble your own personal board of directors. You know, we heard a couple weeks ago with Teresa Roden of I Try Girls, how she actually literally has a board of directors because she is a nonprofit. Uh, she is required to have one. However, um, and actually, uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back because talk about similar things with like just building a business from an idea, kind of by the seat of your pants, learning as you go. She is a fantastic example of that. Um, But I like even if you don't, you know, even if it's a total for-profit business and you're not actually going to officially have a board of directors, have your personal board of directors, maybe three or four people uh, who you can kind of bounce ideas off of. I like the idea of having someone who's very much in your corner is always going to be very, really pro whatever you're doing because you need that cheerleader. Uh, then someone who's not quite a doom doomsayer or like not quite going to be a complete pessimist, but is going to be, we'll call it a realist, uh, that are just going to force you to answer sort of the tough questions about, well, what if this doesn't go? Or what if this turns out like this? Uh, and then, you know, hopefully someone older who's been in a similar business or started something similar to yours. And honestly, I mean, if you're in a, this kind of situation like myself or I try girls, I think it is really good to have a couple of younger people on your board because, you know, for me, I'm trying to speak to young women as my authors and young girls as my readers and parents, you know, as well. But I do want to be talking to those teenagers, those early 20s girls and like hearing what do they want? What are they thinking about? You know, what's interesting to them? Oh, dear God, do I need to be on TikTok? Um, All of that fun stuff. On that note, uh, I do think it's important to figure out what you can do and then figure out what you can't do. So for example, you know, I am a mid thirties woman who hates TikTok because videos are very stressful and tiresome for me. So for me, it is much, much better to have someone who can help me even just for a couple hours a week deal with the social media side of Strong Girl Publishing because I am so aware that I need to have that. Uh, But at the same time, I do not have the bandwidth. I do not have the uh, creativity or energy. Um, And frankly, if you know me, again, my palette is black and white. I do not have the colorful nature that I want to bring to Strong Girl Publishing. Uh, So for that, I do need to hire out. And that was one of the first things I did. And yes, it is costing me money that I'm not actually bringing in from the business just yet. But it is so worth it uh, just to... Not be the only person in the room, uh, not be doing the things that I frankly suck at and dislike. Um, And it is just really nice. Like, I think from a business perspective, especially if you're not planning on quitting your day job or, you know, you are doing a bunch of other stuff, uh, for me, having someone on board just for a few hours a week has really made me focus on the business and to come back to my best case scenario. It's made me have to start thinking like an employer, like a boss, uh, rather than just thinking about how I can do every single thing by myself. Uh, now, as I'm thinking through my task list, I'm thinking, OK, what can my one employee do uh, versus what I should be doing? Um and on that note, the next best action. Okay, so as I was setting up, the reason I actually wanted to record this episode was because of this blunder that I made. So I really wanted to share it. Uh, I'm a big fan of next best action. Uh, you know, just that that thought of like, okay, that's done. What's next? What's the next best thing I should do? Uh, let's get this shit done. Let's get moving. However, this can come back and bite you in the ass. So... There is there is obviously the um, the cult of the perfectionist where you never do anything because everything has to be so perfect that you end up just paralyzed and you never get anything accomplished. The polar opposite of it is you do everything so quickly that you end up making a lot of costly mistakes. I tend towards that side, not the perfection side if we're being completely open and honest here. Uh, which I usually am on this podcast. So uh, my biggest blunder was, and honestly, not that big of a blunder, but not great. The first thing I did was, okay, I need to get a website. So, okay, Google, you know, like best website host. Uh, And we'd been using Bluehost in the past for a lot of different websites over the years. So I was like, okay, I'll just sign up on Bluehost. Get everything on there, you know, get the domain, get the email, get the actual like WordPress hosting, all that. So problem is that uh, while Bluehost has worked for me in the past, for whatever reason, it was just not great this time around. And to be totally frank, and Bluehost is never going to sponsor the podcast here, but uh, I actually just found that their customer support was not ideal. I couldn't get anyone on their chat. It was just like going, it was just like basically giving me like that old AOL dial-up sound, Um they have a phone hotline, but A, I hate phones and I hate customer support on the phone if I can avoid it, especially when it is a question that's just so much easier to do in a chat where you're like, hey, this thing isn't working. Can you fix it? Uh, you know, to me, I'd rather just deal with that in a chat versus calling someone to say this thing on the internet isn't working. Can you fix it? Um, so anyway, long story short, Bluehost was not an ideal setup for me. Um So I actually switched to Flywheel, which has been a fantastic option for me. Uh, Highly recommend if you do want to have a WordPress site, they do just WordPress hosting. So they're super specific about that. Their chat support is fantastic. Just everything is so good on there. I've been so, so impressed uh, with, you know, how my stuff has worked. I've been just so stoked. Um, But the problem was Bluehost has my domain and it's locked for another like month as of recording this which means I can't get my email set up because I'd have to do it through Bluehost with that domain versus, you know, in two months when I can move it over to Google and get more of like the G suite and actually have all that stuff. So I basically, you know, did all of this as like my boom, I need to take action and get this website up and running uh, only to now be like in a limbo with the email. Uh, But thankfully the website itself is fantastic, running great, really happy about that. So Uh, you know, you can figure it out. It's not like, oh no, this cost me a fortune. I was able to get everything, you know, refunded and it's actually cheaper what I'm doing now. So it's all great. But I wish I had just been a little slower on the draw there and just given it a little bit of time and ruminated on the best website options, maybe asked a couple people. So I do think that was a really big learning moment for me. And it's something I'm trying to take with me as I'm doing all of this other stuff and just really telling myself to slow down just a little, just ask that one question, give myself a 30 second pause. Uh, Yeah. So if you're an impulsive person, you might need to put a little note on your computer that says like, are you sure? Um, And on the note of web stuff, I think it's also important just to think about how much stuff you really need to have set up before you launch um, you know, for for me, I wanted to just have the web shop stuff figured out just because I wanted it to be clean and nice looking. Um, I had some old content from my old Shred Girls website that I could bring over. So that wasn't that hard. Um, but I definitely could have gone on for months creating a ton of content uh, versus just putting it out into the world, especially when you know, most people are going to be finding it via social media or the newsletter. Uh, Or they're just going to find the books as they're shopping on, let's be honest, Amazon. Um, So, you know, really spending a ton of time on creating a ton of web content just wasn't really that wise of a decision. Uh, And honestly, I think I would have belabored it to where I'd end up with a ton of content, but not a lot for sale if I had done that. Uh, And as the point is to sell books, uh, you know, I don't need 8,000 pages and posts. Uh, Then there's the launch strategy. It's sort of weird in my case, and this is still something I'm kind of like grappling with is like, when exactly is a business launched? Um, you know, is a yoga studio launched the day that you announce it and open classes uh, up so people can sign up for them? Or is it launched on the first day of classes? Similarly, you know, Strong Girl Publishing is launched and the Shred Girls books are available. uh, When this episode drops, our first planner from uh, Rochelle Pajot, uh, Canadian Downhiller is available. It's so cute. I'm so into it. Uh, Whether you're like you know, trying to handle a Q1 of your business or a semester at school or a race season, this daily three-month journal is just so awesome. It's so fun. It's so bright. I'm really into it. Definitely check it out if you're interested in planners. Uh, I'm a little planner obsessed, so obviously I was very excited about this. But anyway, um, all that stuff is out, but my first book Like my first actual book book from an author won't be out until October. My first new book with Strong Girl Publishing, which is aptly named The Strong Girl, isn't out till the fall. So are we launched or are we launching then? You know, is launch when pre-order happens? So it has been a little bit of a question mark of like when I'm sending out press releases, when I'm hoping to get on podcasts, when I'm hoping to get authors on podcasts, uh, and all of that stuff does need to be happening now, even if stuff isn't coming out till October. Um, but having that sort of strategy in mind uh, before you go live, and it's okay to do a soft launch. Like that's more or less what we've done. Uh, you know, we've put out a couple announcements on social media. Uh, obviously, I had a newsletter list already grown from having Shred Girls. So obviously, I emailed that whole list. The website's live. I'm doing this episode of this podcast. but it's not like we've gone completely gangbusters on really trying to get in the media because to me, the big thing is going to be in the fall when Mackenzie's first poetry book comes out and when the strong girl book comes out. So definitely kind of thinking towards that, like longer, longer tailed launch strategy, if you will, and not panicking that, you know, we haven't amassed 10,000 followers on day one. And when you are thinking about launching, though, I do think figuring out what your elevator pitch is, and this comes back to that when someone asks you what you're doing, do you want to tell them? Um, I think part of the reason we hesitate to tell people and maybe the question to ask yourself is like, is it because I can't explain what exactly it is that I'm doing? Uh, so I've tried to hone my you know, 10 second elevator pitch on what Strong Girl Publishing is. So for me, it's content for young girls to get them excited about sports and outdoor adventure written by young women athletes. So that's what we do. That's our thing. Um, and I'm you know, psyched to have finally kind of come to terms with that elevator pitch, uh, even though obviously I'm still going to be honing it in coming months. But I do think it's a good exercise for everyone to do where you find that one sentence that explains exactly what it is that you do make sure you kind of cover the uh, you know who, what, when, where, why uh, as succinctly as possible. Uh, for example, if you're a yoga studio and you say like, I'm a yoga studio that specials in, specializes in yoga for endurance athletes, but you leave out the town and state that you're in, uh, that's not very helpful unless you're an online platform doing that, in which case you really have to add the online platform for endurance athletes who need yoga. Huh. Then once we have our elevator pitch, I think We do need to tell everyone. Um, And I'm, again, this comes back to my next best action. It'd be so tempting for me to just spam my contacts list on my phone, my contacts list on my email. Like, obviously I told my newsletter, they're the people who signed up to find out about what I'm writing. But uh, just kind of everyone that I know, every contact that I've ever made. Um, But I am trying to be much more methodical about it and actually just really letting people know slowly and organically Uh, so really sending out really targeted like hey here's what i'm up to emails to people one at a time uh really trying to talk to them about why it's important to them right maybe i'm looking for an author maybe i'm looking at an organization to hopefully spread the word uh anthology submissions maybe i'm hoping someone will just be a reader for some of the stuff um really just thinking about telling everyone but one at a time, or at least like with a personal slant to it. Okay. Last couple things here. Um, wow. It is much harder to solo podcast. I have to say, I have so much respect for any solo podcasters who do these episodes all the time because compared to interviewing or when I do Consummate Athlete with my husband, Peter, uh, we're, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. So it's much easier to, Talk to someone versus just talk to this microphone. Um, Pro tip, if someone is trying to record video or a podcast, I'm actually recording this directly into Zoom right now, um, which normally is where I'd record interviews. I'm doing this because that way I'm actually seeing myself on the screen, which sounds weird. I'm talking to myself on video right now, looking at myself, which is very awkward But to me, it's actually way easier to do this than it is to just stare at a blank computer screen or just at my microphone. So if you sort of struggle with speaking into your microphone in complete sentences, I highly recommend just try to put a video of yourself up on screen and it actually will help. Uh, Or if that's way too awkward for you, maybe just put a picture like of a friend on your screen or heck... Just have your other friend, like have a friend, if you have someone this nice in your life, hop on Zoom and just mute themselves so you can kind of talk at them. Uh, That would actually be my advice if you were trying to talk for like either a solo podcast or like an e-course or a tutorial video or something like that, and you're really struggling with doing the talk just to nothing, uh, hop on Zoom with a friend and just have them mute. Boom, done. Uh sorry that has nothing to do with starting a business although maybe it does because maybe this is somewhere that you're getting stuck. Promise we're almost to the end of this. Um okay, uh, it works out well that I just talked about this really unsexy part of solo podcasting and really awkward part because here's the thing. The launch or like when you start telling people about it, that's the really fun part, right? Like especially if you're doing something like strong girl publishing where I'm aware most people in my life are going to think that it's really cool. Uh, Most of the athletes I know are going to be psyched on it. No one is really against getting more girls into sport or helping girls stay in sport. Uh, And no one is really against like helping young women athletes succeed, especially financially, which is, you know, something they traditionally really struggle with. So it's not like there are that many people that are going to be like, this is a terrible idea and you should feel bad about yourself for even thinking about it. Um, however, okay. So anyway, people are excited. The launch is great. It's really fun. You're getting all of this positive feedback. And I mean, eventually the positive feedback, A, is just going to taper off as you're back to like re- regular everyday operations until your next launch. In my case, you know, oh, we're putting out a new book. We're probably going to have a lot of people excited then. huh. But there's a lot of time right now where I am editing and doing really boring stuff, like figuring out exactly what size title page or cover pages need to be and what size the spine is so I can, you know, figure out how to design the cover or what size the cover needs to be if someone else is designing it Uh, and working on contracts for authors and, you know, Updating the website and getting products in there. And for every product, because I have a very specific way that I want them to appear, I need to do an edit on the image of the product. There's just a lot of things that are happening. That are definitely not sexy, fun, Instagram-y, Everybody's excited for you, kudosy things. It's a lot of really boring stuff, and like, let me tell you, just figuring out all of the ins and outs of like getting an ISBN number for books—that's so like the number that's on the barcode at the back of the book. All that stuff, exhaustingly difficult, very annoying. Um, figuring out like minor banking details can be super frustrating. Uh, so. I mean, honestly, even just like the number of emails that you're sending, even if you're so excited about your idea, there's comes a point where it's just not super, super fun to send them. Um, so yeah, there are very tiring points of this. Um, and I think you just have to know that you need to keep going when the sexy part is over. So that's sort of what I can you know, what I said at the very beginning of this, the make a list of the least sexy parts of what you're doing uh, for me. I'm happy I did that because I sort of knew going into this that there were going to be some really annoying things on my to-do list, um, but that I needed to keep going on them because it's not all, you know, super fun social media stuff. And I mean, really, frankly, for me, like I'm writing less because I'm focused on getting the business side going, getting the other authors going, uh, doing layout, all that stuff instead of just focusing on writing the next book. Um, So, you know. You got to do the unsexy stuff sometimes. Um, Okay. Last three things, I promise. Um, Have an idea of what your 10-year plan is, even if you only have step one and a 10-year plan, like 10 years from now. Uh, So this always makes me think of there's a great Instagram meme. And I think Sarah and I talked about it on the last episode when we talked about e-courses where it's like step one, uh, you know, do whatever, step 10, and then they'll all be sorry. Uh, but we don't know what steps two through nine are. Uh, I, I don't want step ten to be, and then they'll all be sorry. Unless we are talking about, uh, you know, the big publishing companies that all said that uh, books about girls and sport don't sell. I would love for them to be sorry because we've sold millions and millions of copies. Uh, but uh, you know, my ten-year plan is that uh, this business is sustainable and that we actually do have a whole bunch of awesome authors and we're doing really cool events and I'm not the one laying out books or doing the copy editing Uh, and maybe I'm just kind of masterminding more of like the creative process and I'm back to being able to focus more on writing because I have people who are working to actually make sure that the books get printed. Uh, You know, that would be super rad. Or, hey, we get bought for millions by one of these big traditional publishers uh, who said the girls in sport don't sell, but is seeing, oh, hey, girls in sport do sell. I want a piece of that action. And they've bought us out for lots and lots of money. And all of my authors are now New York Times bestsellers because they have millions of dollars backing them. Um, Yeah, that would be great. So I think you want to have an idea of what your 10-year plan is. Uh, For me, you know, in 10 years, basically, I want this to be able to be my main job, like my main source of income. Right now, it is a negative income stream because we're only a month in, um, although at least I'm not made, like it's not zero because I do have all of my old books. I have some of our really cool merch. Uh, So to that end, I was lucky that it's not just a complete negative, um, but it's definitely a negative bank balance right now. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. Um, So my 10-year plan, while I'm not totally sure of what the exact thing is, whether we get bought or whether we're just big enough that I can be back to writing, uh, it's that my authors are doing really well, I'm getting to write more, and that Strong Girl Publishing is reaching tons and tons of young girls. Um, And that comes back to kind of always remembering your why. So during these unsexy moments, uh, remembering why exactly you wanted to start this For me, it's thinking back to the couple conversations I had with a couple of the young women who are now my authors thinking about, you know, they wanted to find a way to write books or put out content and they weren't sure how to do it on their own. They didn't know if they could find a publisher. Uh, To be able to step in and do that for them is just super, super cool for me. Uh, And you know, for, for me, when I hear from parents that their kids are reading my books, the Shred Girl series, uh, and that it's making them want to ride bikes, like, oh my gosh, it does not get any better than that. Uh, the number of people who've been just so kind and, you know, sent so many nice messages about Strong Girl publishing, like, honestly just seeing some of these young girls like holding copies of the book and you know knowing knowing moments from it or I've heard from a couple of uh moms and dads that their kids uh, they'll be out in a bike park and they'll be trying to show them how to the parents are trying to show them how to do something and the kid will be like uh that's actually not how Allie says to do it in Allie's Rocky Ride and then they're quoting Shred Girls back at their parents like nothing makes me happier than that I love it so much so that's my why. That's what keeps me going. And, you know, being able to help other young women, like my dream has been to be an author since I was two years old. There was never a moment in my life that I thought I would be anything other than a writer. Uh, or, you know, maybe I thought I'd be a lot of things in addition to being a writer, but it never occurred to me that I wouldn't write books. Like I knew I was going to do that. So if I can help some other young women hit that dream. Uh, Especially, you know, obviously young women athletes are close to my heart. I think there's so many stories that could be told. I think, you know, to bring more young girls into sport, uh, to bring young girls like myself who really had no interest in sport as kids because they didn't feel like they could be an athlete in addition to being a bookworm, in addition to being a punk kid, any of that stuff. To be able to share different stories, different identities of athletes, uh, you know, from all different backgrounds. I think that's just so important to bringing more girls in sport and really letting themselves see themselves in sport, because we know that visibility is such a huge part of it. And, okay, I have gotten up on a soapbox. I am so sorry. But you can tell I'm so excited about this. This comes back. To the, do you want to tell someone at a party? I want to tell freaking everyone at the party. You have that karaoke mic over there? Give me that. I'm going to talk about Strong Girl Publishing and why it's so, so important for this generation of young girls. Uh So yeah, be ready to soapbox at a moment's notice is all I'm saying. And then your last thing, and this is kind of weird coming from my very passionate ramble right there, but I think it's so important to take breaks. Um, I'm actually recording this at the end of a long weekend where I had the weekend and I did do some stuff. I did some layout, some PDF work, uh, some minor editing, some, you know, chatting with my authors. But for the most part, I actually took the weekend pretty chill. And I had planned honestly on being like pretty nose to the grindstone, getting a ton of stuff accomplished because I had the house to myself. It was just me and the dachshund. Um, but to be honest, I was tired. I have been spending so much time on this and all of my other work because before this, I was already working, you know, a 50 plus hour week doing all of my other freelance work and this podcast and the consummate athlete podcast and everything else we have going on. Uh, So adding this to my plate has really been a lot. And we've had a lot of stuff going on on weekends, a lot of events. We have a lot of events and races coming up, uh, both races where I'm racing, but also races where we're there pretty much working uh, or Peter's racing and I'm supporting, but it's also a consummate athlete thing. So really, our opportunities for rest are very few and far between. So when I realized I had this weekend to just chill out if I wanted to, Yeah. I sat on the couch, and I ate Chinese food, and I watched Futurama, a show that I've seen a dozen times over the course of my life, and we vegged. I took DW on an afternoon stand-up paddleboard. I, you know, did my training, but then we went on long walkies. I cleaned the house but I refrained from doing any major projects like organizing, you know, my receipts or, you know, this that and the other thing. I really just took the opportunity to actually recharge and that's why I'm recording this today uh, because I actually have the mental bandwidth to have come up with that list that I just, uh, you know, went through and the, you know, space and energy to actually hit record and get this done. So I do think the value of breaks cannot be denied. And if you are starting a business as a side project, a side hustle, whatever, if you're still working full-time or even part-time, but you're also dealing with a family, an athletic career, uh, you know, whatever else is going on in your life, Just make sure that you still are giving yourself a little bit of that downtime, like proper downtime, not like I'm going to meditate because I know it's good for me. That's absolutely great. Self-care, blah, blah, blah. Fantastic. Uh, But I mean that really true full-on chill time where you just let yourself be the imperfect human being that you are and just be a couch potato if that's what makes you feel good. Uh, And frankly, that's what makes me feel good. So I do need to remember to keep carving out that time and have that boundary that I'm allowed to have that time. Um, You know, it's it's just it's probably the most important thing that I'm figuring out. Otherwise, none of this is going to be sustainable. So. That's what I have for you this week. Uh, hopefully that made you think a little bit about any business that you're planning on starting. Hopefully some of it resonated with you. I'm figuring if you're listening to this, you're probably also a type A athlete with some big business goals. So hopefully there was a nugget of wisdom in there for you. Uh, if you liked this episode, definitely check us and make sure that you're following, subscribing, et cetera. We are on every other week on the business of fitness from Feisty Media you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford. Business of fitness is business.of.fitness and strong girl publishing is at strong girl publishing on Instagram and stronggirlpublishing.com. If you want to check out what we have, like I said, we have the shred girls books, a planner, and some really fun merch. So please head over there and I will see you on there or I will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening.